Hello and welcome to this special news bulletin of Splatter Chatter. We are coming at you live. Not we're, we're not coming really. at you the way we always come at you. <laughs> to just pre-recorded, dis- pre-recorded to discuss David Gordon Green's Halloween 2018. Because if anything warrants a special news bulletin, it's this movie. Dun 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 dun. So welcome everybody to. Splatter Chatter, the podcast where October never dies. My name is Mr. Craigers. So I'm going to be one of your hosts during this special bulletin. And over there is... Ms. Malmoy. Yes. <laughs> and That's she's going to be the other host That's me. during our special news bulletin to discuss Halloween. Halloween 2018. 18, the night he came back. Ooh. Which is technically the tagline from Halloween 2. I was going to say, I've heard that before. But since Halloween 2 has been swept off the canon. (laughs) And everything that possibly happened afterwards was just dismantled. Have you seen that meme where it's like, the Halloween franchise is now a choose-your-own-adventure. And it's it's, it's like a flowchart of all the different timelines and continuities. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah. So... So yeah, guys. Um, well, as of as of this recording right now, the movie was released two days ago, and um, uh, of course, horror hounds all over the world have been seeing it and enjoying it and taking it in and and writing about it and talking about it on social media and and what have you. I've got a review up on the blog for the thirty one by thirty one challenge. Miss uh, Mel, you saw it Thursday night, right? I did. Yeah, late showing, and then I saw it Friday night with Mr. Alec. Nice. I can and... only imagine his commentary. <laughs> he did a lot of, um, like, this kind oh, of walk. Oh, no. The fingers. <laughs> yeah. He was he... scared. <laughs> yeah, he likes scary movies, but he, like. He, like, watches, like, halfway through. Scary. Has he watched <laughs> Hill House yet? He is not. Okay. He's not. He's never read the book or seen either of the movies, so. Mm. It's not that he's not interested. He just doesn't have a compelling draw to it. Besides me telling him it's amazing. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny because trying to get people to overcome how scary it is by explaining that it's such a good story and it's so well done, but you have to breathe through all this. Listen, I watched an episode. I'm almost done, and something got me good last night. I'm not going to say in which episode or what it was, but it got to the point that my friend actually, like, she's like, do you want me to pause? And I was like, yeah, I need a minute. I need a minute. Hold on. It was, it's just, it's. It's so good. Mind boggling good and very, very, not even scary, just haunting, as it were. Haunting. Of Hill House. Yeah, of Hill House, as they say. Um, Yeah, actually seeing Halloween was like my break from Hill. That was like my calm down, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see Michael Myers murder some people as my, um, my break tonight from horror. Yeah, which I don't know how that went for you because this movie was intense mm-hmm. and it was brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Vicious. <laughs> I will say I slept better after like. Halloween than I did after. Although the night before I went to see Halloween, I woke up at like three in the morning and I was like, but what if Michael Myers? But what And if? then I was like, "In what if he was in my bedroom? I used to have dreams like this kind of, not dreams, but like thoughts like that when I was a kid about Darth Vader. Um, being in my bedroom and it freaked me the fuck out. So now it's, now it's Michael Myers. Now it's the shape. Yeah. 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 Good old Michael. So yeah. How do we want to tackle this? 
So, so, I like, so, so many of you probably know, you know, kind of the general history of what was going on with this movie. It was announced a couple years ago. There wasn't a lot of information that anyone knew about it for a really long time. And then it came out that it was going to um, be the establishment of a new timeline. And it was going to completely disregard um, everything. everything from Halloween 2 through Halloween Resurrection. Which, don't and worry, it includes Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It sure does. Um, which Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, also takes place in a different continuity because they're watching the first Halloween movie in one of the scenes. Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. It's very complicated. So the new Halloween acts as a direct sequel to the original 1978 John Carpenter film and takes place 40 years later. And this movie came out 40 years after the original and features um, the return once again of <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis to the Back. role of Laurie Strode, um, as well as the return of Nick Castle as the shape. He was, he was the shape in one of the scenes. It was mostly James Jude Courtney, mm -hmm. but it was also Nick Castle. Which is fun and exciting. It was the scene too. He had one scene with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis where they were yeah. together, mm -hmm. like a, the, a true reunion. Yeah, um, which is really really cool. Also, did you catch that PJ Souls was the English teacher? I saw that in the credits <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. So there were all kinds of fun. And then I was like trying to remember. I was like, who was the English teacher? I think I was distracted in that scene when she looked outside and Grandma was just outside. That Grandma was there. A wonderful parallel to the original. Yeah. So uh, Michael watching. I think Lori. that, that yeah. took away from PG PJ Souls until again I got to the credits. So like, until later yeah. when we got. Yeah. So the new Halloween movie. Yes. What's going on with it? 40 years later, uh, Michael Myers, the babysitter murderer, is being moved from um, captivity in Smith's Grove to a more, um, I guess, like traditionally criminal. Because yeah. I guess the idea is that he was being, they were trying to work at rehabilitation or just study at the very least. Um, it was more of a psychological institute that he was at and they were moving right. him more to like a a mass incarceration, um, high security right. prison. Basically, it's been decided that there's nothing left to gain from. Yeah, because he has not said a word him. in forty years. He has not spoken to anybody about anything. And of course, we know he hasn't spoken. He didn't speak before that either. Yeah. So. So they kind of consider him like a lost cause at this point, um, but obviously, fighting it is his psychologist, the new Doctor Loomis. Doctor, I forget his name. I love when she actually says that. She's like, you're the new Loomis. Girl, you're the new Loomis. And I was like, oh, what well, we all were thinking. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, because he's meant to be uh, Dr. Loomis's, like, he was a protege of Dr. Loomis, and then he kind of took yeah. over the case. I forget his name. What is this um, new doctor's name? Dr. Flagenstar. I mean, Dr. He's, he's got an accent to him, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh... You know. Dr. Sartain. Dr. Sartain. Dr. Sartain. That's the guy. Literally. He's, oh, yeah. So it's Dr. 
Uh, Ranbir Sartain is um, Michael's psychiatrist, taking over from Dr. Loomis, and he allows the he allows Craig and I into the um, facility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, um, there's this duo that is a podcasting. It's funny because you don't know they're doing a podcast until they roll up to Lori's house and they're like, oh, we do a podcast. And that's their their way they think they're going to get into her house. Um, But it's like two British people who are studying Michael's case and they've been allowed in to see him. And the doctor is like, yeah, like, you know, like, whatever, let's try this because they're moving him and he doesn't like it. And this great scene that you see from the trailer where they walk out to see Michael in his little recreational square. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Yeah, and um, where he's like chained up. Yeah, yeah, and they walk over there to try and get him to speak, and uh, they brought Michael a gift. They did bring him a gift that uh, one of the podcasters mentions. A friend at the DA's office was able to secure for him. I feel like that's and, uh, hella illegal, but yeah, you're just really not supposed to do that. Yeah, but that's. I think you stole it. Actually, is the subtext, but whatever. <laughs> right. And why is it super illegal? Well, because it's a piece of major evidence in uh, Michael's crime. So what is that piece of major evidence? It's his mask. Dun, dun, dun. His mask from Halloween night 40 years ago in 1978 when he went on his killing spree that only Laurie Strode was able to survive. Now, the podcasters are hoping that in showing Michael his mask, they will compel him to speak so that they can interview him for the podcast but they're unsuccessful everyone else speaks for sure yeah so they try their hand at tracking down uh the other major player in the story laurie strode who (laughs) fall into hamilton in judgment day (laughs) yeah complete like deep dive into terminator sarah connor style yeah she lives um, on the outskirts of Haddonfield now. Her home is uh, like not electric fenced. What am I looking like? Automatic fenced. Yeah, it's got a gate. gate. She's got floodlights. She has security cameras. Uh, the house is decked out with locks and bolts and chains and metal bars. There's just a metal bar at one point. Yeah. Um, and it's the, her uh, uh, one-woman bunker, essentially, that she has created in herself. And obviously through experiencing that, and as the, the two podcasters are sort of um, asking some probing questions, we come to understand that in this world, in this timeline, Lori was unable to um, move past the trauma of what happened to her and seeing what happened to her friends in a different and interesting way than we saw maybe in H2O. Yeah. Although where she, Lori basically H2O. becomes a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Here, not so much with the alcoholism, although we get a hint There's that, that one scene, has yeah. been an issue. And this is paranoid survivalism. You know, Lori has adopted this mentality that Michael, she and Michael are going to have a confrontation again at some point. I wish I had that kind of relationship with someone that I could just say I have a mortal enemy. You do want an you do want an arch I really want a just a a mortal enemy, an arch nemesis. But do you really want to live the way she's living? I mean, like 
she has Wi-Fi. I assume she does. <laughs> does she? I'm surprised she even knows what a podcast is. I know. Like, they say that to her and she doesn't even, she's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, um, yeah. Well, really, it's uh, the $3,000. Yeah. Bribe yeah. her to talk yeah, to. They, yeah. To um, them about, which I, too, would take $3,000 to talk to the podcasters. Yeah. I have done if any fellow podcasters out there want to yeah. pay me three thousand. Yeah. There's nothing you would want to you would want me to to, to say really, but maybe yeah. I don't know. But uh, they go in. They um, go in. They don't really get much out of her. Um, they get too much out of her. No. They ask some pretty asinine questions though. They just kind of like shoot right off the cuff, and she calls their bullshit. Like they ask something at one point. Um. Oh, what do they ask? Something in her responses, her, her her divorces, yeah, her divorces or something, and she's like, "But you know the answer to that already, don't you?" Or something like that. Like she's just not. Here oh for no, them. It's, it's um when they're asking about uh, when child services came to take her daughter mm-hmm. from her when she was twelve, and that Lori fought to regain custody, and then they ask if she ever did regain custody, oh, yeah. and Lori says no, but you knew that already. Yeah. Yeah, so she, like, answers nothing, really. She talks to them for maybe five minutes, tells them to get out, and takes $3,000 from them, mm-hmm. which is solid. It's a good day for Lori. Um, and we cut over to, I think at this point, the uh, the Strode Juniors, I think is where right. it cuts. Right. Whatever their... Yeah, whatever their, 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 name their is, married their name, name is now. I don't think it's... Short. Oh, Hawk... No, it's... No, that's... No. I don't think we ever learned their name. No, it's just... He's just uh, Ray, the it's dad. It's just Ray and Karen, Lori's uh, adult daughter, and their daughter, Lori's granddaughter, Allison. Allison, who has a habit of calling her grandmother the whole time? I... That took me out of the movie every single time she said it. Yeah. I don't know if it's because very few people... Do that? Call their grand grandmother. Nobody says or the way she delivered it. But every time she said it, which granted wasn't a ton of times, but every time she said it, I was like, "Ew." No, she seemed very aware that she was saying grandmother. Yeah, and I was like, the only person who says grandmother was like Anastasia. I'm like, no one, no one, no script doctor decided like, um, let's maybe not. Let's just say grandma. Yeah, yeah. There was th- there were three people got writing credits on this and not one of them said uh, maybe not maybe not and you know there's a team of writers like the writers room that didn't get credits that also didn't say right maybe yeah not. that's what I'm saying like come on guys whatever um, yeah so they're a rel- they're relatively happy family unit um, obviously we get from the podcasters and we learn from some of their conversations that Karen and Lori have a very strained relationship. They were estranged for what seems like a large chunk of Karen's life. And, but Allison is interested in sort of, you know, building this relationship with her grandmother. With grandmother. So this is the thing. She doesn't even say my grand. She's like, did you invite grandmother? Like what the, the says that Allison? It's so weird. God. Um, She's grandma. She's Nana. Yeah. Even granny, just anything. Grammy, um, I even. Don't, I don't know if it was like they were trying to communicate that because of the strained relationship, like they're not all like 
she has Lori hasn't been able to be that close to her family. So like it's this very formal distinction between I don't know what they were trying to do with that, but it didn't work. Yeah, I don't it's that's my biggest question. It's like um when Peter went to go ask about Shawshank and the escape scene. <laughs> like, did you even like you the movie? The whole, how did you reattach the poster with the tautness that a rock could pierce it? <laughs> did you did you enjoy the movie? I did very much until that point. Yeah. <laughs> us about this yep and so okay so what's um so what's going on with with karen and allison and ray like what's what's their jam miss mel well first of all ray gets ray's very awkward (laughs) ray is a very awkward dad character like to the point where it's like I, I just, I was hope I mean, like, he, he comes through in, like, when it matters. Like, he's just the quirky dad character, I guess. And, like, he yeah, becomes he's a serious person when he has to be. But his opening scene is just him being ridiculous in the kitchen. And basically, Allison is getting, in I, I guess she's getting inducted to the Honor Society. Yeah. Is what it was. Yeah, Although, yeah, it was confusing at first, though, because they made it seem like, because she was getting, like, a sash. And I was like, oh, is she graduating with Honor? Like it's Halloween. Like, why is anyone graduating? She's graduating super early. <laughs> um, but she's getting inducted into the honor society, and she asks Karen if she invited grandmother. Um, sorry, my Halloween decoration just fell down, and it scared the shit out. You guys should have seen that reaction just now. It's it was literally as though the shape walked in to Miss Nas' apartment. You would oh have goodness! I have this ho- happy Halloween banner that clearly this is like the fifth time it's fallen down. It just does it not does want not to stay want up. To stay. So I'm probably going to end up finding a, another use for it. But Jesus, Jeez. that was terrifying. I don't know if you've heard the sounds of it falling. I heard it. I don't know if they're going to hear it. But I heard it. <laughs> anyway, point is, God, she says, um, "Did you invite grandmother?" and uh, Karen's like, oh yeah, she couldn't come or something. I talked to her last night, and Allison like has you know is like, okay, whatever. Um, the resolution to that comes later, but she's like, all right, whatever, bye. Goes to school, um, and meets up with her two pals. Yeah, um, Vicky, um, and somebody else. Uh, Vicky's boyfriend and um, Vicky's boyfriend, Dave. Dave, Vicky and Dave. Yeah. And they, um, and so they're headed on the way to school, and, um, uh, we learned that Allison is convinced that her mom lied to her about inviting Lori to the ceremony, and we get some information about, you know, because it's strained, and, you know, um, grandma has a tough time with her PTSD, and, grandma you know, everybody, PTSD of course, again. knows the story. And um, there's some fun nods to other parts of the the retcon mythology. Like, wasn't he her brother? No. Like, that's just something she's, she's like. That's just something people made up to make themselves feel better. Is what she yeah. said, which I felt was a very interesting uh, explanation. Yeah, and I bought it. Right, you know, just yeah. that a random psycho is far more terrifying, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then there's you know we have we have some some time at school, and then we get to meet Allison's boyfriend. Um, fuck, what the hell is his name? Mickey, Mikey. I feel like it was something. Oh, it's Cameron. I was not even close. Wow, I don't know where <laughs> you were, but <laughs> Cameron. 
Allison's boyfriend, Cameron, um, and uh, Cameron's best friend, Oscar. And um, we, there's like Cameron, I guess, I guess from a not so great family in Haddonfield. And so, we're, you know, mom and dad aren't quite sure about Allison dating him, but they're going to meet him tonight at dinner after the ceremony. And so it's like a big deal and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, that's Cameron for you. Yeah. So Lori, then you know it's it's time for Michael to for for the move. Michael and a number of other prisoners being transported out of Smith's Grove. Oh yeah, I guess there's other people also, but we don't care about them. Yeah. So Lori drives down to Smith's Grove. She parks outside of the gate and she watches. She watches the prisoners being loaded on and driven out of the grounds of the sanitarium. Um, to kind of, you know to see it for herself, basically, um, she's, you know she's taking a swig of some booze, and it's obviously very difficult for her to watch that. Um, it's implied, and she confirms later that you know she she sees him. You know she's not just like a shapeless crowd; she sees him through the window of the bus. Um, and so when she shows up to dinner at the restaurant after the ceremony with her family, she's still very shaken. Mm -hmm. um, can't quite isn't able to collect herself and there's some family drama that goes down and and so she she flees flees <laughs> yeah she shows up for a hot second and it's established that um allison like invited her herself she just straight up called her and invited right. her herself she basically called mom's bluff yeah um yeah. Lori shows up is fine for maybe two seconds and then just hey chugs the wine starts crying at the table has a breakdown and flees and flees. flees and allison goes after her you know because she wants a relationship with her grandmother and trying to tell her like like you gotta get it you have to get over it yeah and um, otherwise it's it's gonna continue to ruin your life yeah and your relationship with your family and Lori. You know, she's not really able to hear that. Um, but she does um, hand granddaughter the $3,000. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, and one's like, oh, okay. So that's why she agreed to it. It wasn't for her. It was for Allison. Which I really likes that you get this shades of like, like she really like gives a shit. Like it's not even in the sense that she's like, take a gun kid and learn how to shoot. Like it's like, she does right. give a shit about like her, her progeny and stuff. And she does care about yeah. her granddaughter, like on a level besides like, you know, making sure she's ready for the apocalypse. Right. And I think it was like, and it was like kind of, it was realistic and layered too. Right. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people with PTSD can struggle to, find ways to show the people around them that they love them or care about them. Yeah. You know, because what have you, the trauma is always there. The PTSD. Right. Um, and so, da, 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 da. so the bus is, <laughs> of course, on its way. <laughs> and eventually uh, it's discovered by um, uh, a young boy and his father. Can we discuss young boy and his father real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they come into the scene and the kid is like trying to explain to his dad that he wants to do good. It's like Billy Elliot is class. happening in this car right now. 
Um, he, he wants to do they're dance going, they're, class. They're up early to go fishing. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to go fishing and hunting. I want to go to dance class, and it's this like fascinating conversation because it's like the boy is like just like a he like he's like a very gruff kid, like he's a very gruff hunting kid, but he's talking about how much like very unironically like he's like I want to go to dance class, like yeah, he's what... like it means a lot to me. I'm really into it right now, and like it was so like people weren't even laughing in my theater. It wasn't even that it was funny. Yeah. I was just like what ours either. What? Yes. This is great. <laughs> What's happening? I here? know. Too it bad was, it was awesome. Too bad he never. And even his dad wasn't like, um, you know, he didn't say anything like disparaging or anything like that. He was just like, ah, oh, but this is what we do. You and know, like, yeah, we, 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 we get fish. up and go fishing. This is our thing. It was like, it was like, it's like, do you really want to? Yeah, you can do that later. We're going fishing. Yeah. No, it, it was great, but unfortunately, the kid never makes it to dance class. He does not. Nor does he make it fishing. No, nobody fishes or uh, dances. Because what happens? So, I like that they did this without ever showing us, because we all knew that this was the ultimate fate of this bus. <laughs> the second it left the prison, of course it was going to crash. Of course Michael was going to get free. Yeah. But they happen upon a strange scene out of literally, like, a haunted house that you mm -hmm. might go to at Halloween where they see all these guys in white jumpsuits who are prisoners just kind of milling about awkwardly on the side of the road in the middle of the night. Some of them bang on the car. Like they're just, you know, just milling. like, you know, a callback to the original. Film. Yeah. And, um, the, the bus is crashed and dad, I don't know if he grabs his gun or he just gets out, but he gets out. He's like, I'm going to go check on it. You stay here. Um, dad goes to check on it, slips away, kid goes to call 911 and says, you know, like, it's an accident, we're somewhere on the highway, and the 911 operator says something and the kid says, I'll go check, and like, puts the phone down. I was like, first of all, no 911 operator would, would let them yeah, do that. would let you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but the kid grabs a rifle, um, and hops out of the car and goes looking for dad, um, and he can't find dad. I don't think we ever find dad. Dad's just gone. No, we don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't really find out what happens to dad. Yeah, so dad's just gone now. And he gets, he's like looking around. He's looking at the people and he gets on the bus. And um, Dr. Sartain is on the bus. And he turns and he sees Dr. Sartain moving. And he shoots him by accident because he gets scared. And he shoots Dr. Sartain who goes down. He gets scared and runs off the bus. And he's running. Um, and he gets back to the car, basically tries to like start the car to, to drive away basically. And my worst nightmare, as I've mentioned many times, my, the story that stuck with me from scary stories to tell in the dark was mm. high beams. Um, of course, Michael's in the back of the truck and, yeah. um, does, he does, he does what Michael does. He strangles the kid and, uh. It's presumed he then hijacks the truck and drives off. Right. Off he goes. Yeah. Off Michael goes. Um, so that's, you know, very early in the morning on October 31st. Of course. Halloween. Why you would transport Michael Myers on Halloween. Which you know, is Cowboy Man, me. like, made this point, I think. Yes. I kept calling him <laughs> Cowboy Man. <laughs> he does make that point. I, right. He had a so, name, but he was Cowboy Man. Yeah. So later in the morning, more proper morning on Halloween, um, 
news of the crash and the escape has spread. The you know local cops, state authorities are trying to track down the prisoners and see who is and isn't accounted for. Um, and uh, meanwhile, our podcasting friends oh, right. are getting ready to leave town, getting ready to leave Haddonfield, somewhat disgruntled because, you know, didn't go well with Michael and they didn't get a whole lot out of Lori. So they're at a um, gas station slash mechanic kind of place. And um, we, we observe, they do not, but we observe Michael pull in the truck <laughs> that, that he was... stole last night. And he just get a background. When, he, when he's in the background, he's just he's beating up the mechanic. Yeah. What's his face is like making a weird like he's trying to have a weird like you're like oh hey we made weird eye contact I guess I'll wave to you to like some chick across the way like chick she's an old woman sitting in the car across the gas station and every time we cut to him behind him Michael's doing something new (laughs) and it's great yep so Michael is there and he murders the mechanic and takes the mechanic's jumpsuit his, you know, his outfit of choice. Yeah, he saw it and he just went for it. Mm-hmm. And then Lady Podcaster, I don't remember her name, is in the gross mechanic bathroom. <gasps> and someone comes in. Of course. Actually, it's, it's, a, it's a great sequence, though, because she goes in the first stall, she's like, nope. Goes yeah. in the second stall, she's like, nope. nope. Goes in the third stall, and is like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And goes in there. And, and goes- then... She and is, while she's in there, someone else joins her. Yeah, as soon as she sits down, mm-hmm. the door opens and you can, you know, the footfall, because, you know, she can't see what we can see. We can see his feet, but, like, the footfall is very, like, heavy, slow. slow and, and the same thing repeats. The first door opens. Yeah. The second door, the feet come and stand outside her stall. The always, the stupid thing that everyone always does in these stalls. Hello? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, and then so, of course, what you would imagine happens, happens in this scene. The um, dude podcaster comes in to try and rescue lady podcaster and is dispatched with. And, um, you know, this, is a, this is a, was a nice uh, uh, callback to uh, Halloween, the opening of Halloween 6, um, with the scene in the bathroom. Um, I love all the references they made to they made all the ton. various to all the other sequels, even though they're like, we're not having them in our canon, but there were nods to yeah. all of the previous Halloween films, which was really cool. Yeah. And so the podcasters are dispatched with, as is anyone else who happens to be at this gas station <laughs> at the time. A massacre <laughs> at this gas station. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Michael uh, ransacks the podcaster's car or opens the trunk, or the trunk is already open, whatever. And um, I guess, like, it's implied that, like, he tracked them down to get his mask back. Which is an interesting... It's Or, or unless it's just a happy coincidence. But either way, he gets Michael mask. ends up with his mask. That's, like, again. the thing about this movie. There's, there's several points that I think just really, like, complicate him. And, like, suggests that there's a lot more, like, happening. And, like, this is one of them, right? Is that, like, you know, like, when they pulled the mask out, he didn't say anything. 
but he did kind of like have this twitch. He did have kind of this almost turn. Like he responded to the fact right. that the mask, like they brought the mask. Like he did have a reaction. He never actually looks at it. No, he doesn't look at it. It's just they, they pull it out and it's like he knows what it is and he has a reaction to it. And now you can take this as like, you know, maybe he did just happen upon them or maybe he tracked them down to get it back. Like, you know, yeah. and what does that suggest about about what's going on uh, in in inside his head um but i guess he he gets back in the car and drives off after that i don't know which mm-hmm. car he's in i guess it doesn't matter i'm more sh- impressed that michael knows how to drive right <laughs> mm-hmm. he can drive which was always one of the things legal. people talked about in the original right like yeah. after he kills his sister he's sent to smith's groves until for whatever they say it is 20 yeah. years 15 years or something and then you know, in the original, he breaks out during a van transportation and mm-hmm. steals the car and what have you. But then everyone's like, how does he know how to drive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. I'm going to, I'll, okay. <laughs> he can drive, sure. But, um. Anywho. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you know, news spreads about Michael being on the loose and they dis- the gas station is discovered. Lori's there. Um, she's like fuck this noise so she runs over to karen's and um there's this awesome bit (laughs) you know where it's implied somebody is in the house and so karen's house like creeping and it is it just happens to be (laughs) Lori. she bursts out she's like you're dead (laughs) you're dead i've killed you and there's more family drama, you know, mom, you can't just keep showing up like this. You're paranoia. Lori, your security system isn't strong enough. <laughs> you know, I don't know if she even like even is able to properly tell Karen that Michael. No, yeah, she, she starts to and then Karen kind of like just interjects, I think, or she like says something to the effect of like, she's like, we're done. You're not going to like, she has this like terribly awkward speech that doesn't ring true at all, where she's like, the world is a beautiful place filled with light and love. And I'm not going to let you damage that for me. There's a lot to unpack with Karen. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, shut the fuck up, Karen. Which is what, at that point in the film, I was like, fucking Karen strode over here. Right? Fucking Karen. Of course her name's Karen. Yeah, fuck you, Karen. Jesus. Um, so Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> they have that confrontation. Yeah, they got that going on. Lori decides then, to do And then things. it's Halloween night. Dun, dun, and, dun. you know, everybody is, you know, the kids are going to the dance at the school. Uh, family's out trick-or-treating. And Michael is in his element once again. He's like, this is the best day I could have possibly escaped. <laughs> wow. Wonderful. So, um... I never had Halloween dances or shit like this at high school. Really? You guys didn't do a Halloween dance? We didn't. At we any did. of the high school... Well, I attended one high school, I guess. But let me... I guess I mean in the sense of, like, all the schools I attended across two coasts... Uh, none of them did anything, did, like, shit for Halloween. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. We had a Halloween dance from middle school on. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't do that. They were fun. They were a good time. They were wild. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fun. Was there murder? 
you know, because they're like there wasn't the pressure like with homecoming and prom yeah. and like the snowball. Like, oh, you need a date. Oh yeah, we did do that. The winter and ball. Like and a, stuff. you gotta buy a dress or buy da 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 da. So I was like, no, you just go with your friends and costumes. So they were the most fun dances. Yeah, we never did but, that. But anywho, um, so Michael, you know, we get sort of this like fun, drawn out like murder montage basically of Michael just like offing people. Yeah. He Michael Michael does his own trick or treating. Yeah. Well it's because I remember the he walks out onto the street and everyone's out doing their trick or treating thing because it's nighttime now and these two kids kind of stumble upon him and I felt like it was a tiny little like at least tonally made me think of the beginning of Halloween H two O. Yeah. With the two kids outside the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh that's nice. But, um, the kids, like, don't even, like, it's naturally that thing where the kids are like, oh, hey, cool costume, mister, and, like, walk away. I'm like, you two kids are fucking idiots. Um, fucking more. But, yeah, he goes on his murder montage, and this is, like, where the music cue is, where they just, like, for, like, a solid two minutes, it's just, like, the, like, the music as he's just like, all right, well, time to go on a spree. And, um... It's funny because it's almost like you're watching him become more Michael as it goes on. Because he, like, you know... He, right, like, waking up. Yeah, he picks up the hammer. He does the hammer. After he does the hammer, he's like, oh, a knife. My knife. I missed my knife. You know, I missed my knife. The and great butcher knife. The great butcher knife debacle of 2018. Um, and he just goes about and, you know, he does his murdering. Um, and there's this very interesting not murder that happens that uh there was a lot of chatter about and i've compiled three theories on so what happens is is michael goes into a house and he hammers mom to death mom's in the kitchen with curlers in her hair cooking dinner and he just goes in and he just like takes the hammer and like dispatches mom picks up the butcher knife there's a baby crying so he walks into the living room as he's going to leave the house and the baby's crying and he walks over to the crib and everyone in the theater is like (gasps) Because mm-hmm. he's walking over the crib. That was and you're so like, tense. And you're like, oh, fuck. And he looks into the crib for like a hot second. And then he backs up and walks away. And walks out of the house. And he does not kill the baby. And everyone was like, let's discuss. Freaking out. Yeah. yeah. So I've got three theories. Hit us with them. Theory number one. That this was... Because Mr. Krager has pointed out to me that this was scripted both ways. It was scripted mm. with him doing the dispatching and with not... Um, and I did some research and it turns out the baby was not originally supposed to be in the scene. It was supposed to be, yeah, it was supposed to be a husband sleeping on the couch and he, he walks past, he doesn't kill the husband on the couch. Like he just lets him sleep. Really? Yes. What happened was his husband on the couch did not show up for work that day. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, okay, um, well, it's going to be a baby. Um, cause they were like, well, just, what can we do? So they threw together, right. uh, they got a baby. They crib. had, they had the set. Yeah. They had the, yeah. The, and they, they were like, the time. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, okay, just get a crib. We'll put a baby's crying in post and deal with it then. So they did that. So my first theory is that it's just, it was a technical thing, right? That, that, that this was just a purely like technical thing. Okay. Great. So that's theory number one. It's not as fun. Theory two is that him not killing the baby. Him killing mom and killing that other mom who, like, looked out her window and was like... Mm-hmm. Right, because then he moves on and kills. Yeah. yeah. So he kills two... I think he gets two kills here, is what it is. It's two It's two moms, basically. Um, so my theory here is that it's meant to show his random brutality. 
in Ooh. that he is just completely random with who he chooses. Like, and there's not really a thought process. It's just like, there's not a rhyme or reason. Boom, not you. Boom, not you. Like that kind of thing. And it was like the baby. However, the one thing that like kind of, I guess, makes that a little bit tricky is that he does acknowledge the baby. Like he takes a minute to step and look at the baby. Right. And it's like, okay. We see him, yeah. Like In my experience, anytime you've acknowledged someone, you've then murdered them. So (laughs) the fact that you acknowledge this baby and choose to do nothing suggests that, you know, maybe, you know, the random brutality theory, not quite there. Because he does acknowledge the baby is crying and that he knows it's there and chooses to move on. So, like, the theory number three which I call the complexity theory, has several different subsets that um, could be attached to this. I, I was mm-hmm. looking at what a couple things people were saying, and they were like, well, he's... And one interesting thing somebody said, I don't even know like how I feel about it. It was just a really interesting thing that they said. is basically like, okay, so Michael killed his sister when he was like six, right? Right. So he was a kid, and basically he doesn't... like. The thing that that blows that that makes this theory not work is because he does kill a kid earlier in the movie. But like the reason mm-hmm. that he might not is because he sees children kind of like mentally as his peers. I I saw something like that, something similar, yeah, like that. That like Michael is like like stunted, mm-hmm. you know. So he's like he's like the excited kid on Halloween, but like taking it in the psychotic direction rather than like the healthy mental direction which you could make an argument for that it's a total id it's just like instead of eating a fuck ton of candy you're just murdering everyone right he yeah his enjoyment of the night is murder he's the murderer but like again he does kill yeah but he does but he does kill the boy from yeah so that kind of ruins that. Another one people pointed out is that he, he has a fixation on killing teenagers, but he kills two moms in this scene. Yeah, and he's killed older... Well, we could argue, you know, he's killed older people, but he's killed them in what is not canon in this world. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, one of the... And, yeah, but, yeah, but you're right, but then he kills the two moms, and they're clearly not teenagers. Yeah. So it's, like, almost too, like... um Maybe I wonder if you could put the lens on it of, like, the rules of slashers, where it's, like, you know, innocence wins out in the end, you know, and you've got this baby, because he kills people who, you know, like, you know, slashers always go after the people who have sex and show boobs and do drugs and are drinking, and the final girl is usually, like, the abstinent you the know, pure one. young woman, so you could make the argument that the baby, like, just from a thematic point, like, he wouldn't kill a baby, right? Right, because if, yeah, that, that sort of idea that the slasher is punishing, well, the baby wouldn't have done anything to deserve a, the punishment of yeah. Michael's knife. Besides the fact that it was fucking annoying and screaming. Right, but well. I would not kill a baby for doing such things. I would not kill anyone. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, the whole thing, I don't know. What were your thoughts on it, or what were you seeing kind of people chit-chattering about with it? Um, I, I think the one kind of like you were talking about most interesting was sort of like the psychological angle, or that he identifies with... Um, youth a bit more like that he uh, uh you can make the argument he is the screaming baby yeah right i mean like kind of a um 
babies scream and cry because they need something, right? Mm-hmm. They need someone to come help them with something. Like the idea help of Michael. Me. Like Michael, yeah, all of this sort of being a cry for help, yeah. right? Or to, to notice me. You could write probably a 10-page paper on Michael Myers not killing this baby. Right. And I kind of wish I was yeah. still in college and I could. And you could work it into a yeah. class. <laughs> I mean, What's I could do it now, you but... Page paper, you strut into class, you throw it down... And stuff, whatever. And you're like, here. This is. I wrote 12 pages about why Michael killing the doesn't not killing the baby represents this. And then your professor's like, this is chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> this is European history from 1870. And you're like, what's your point? What? <laughs> yeah. Now maybe I'll cobble together some thoughts enough to to put something out on the the interwebs. But like, it is so fascinating and all the complex because you could basically they don't give you any any possible indication. So it's like anything you say could be true and any reading could be correct. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, because the thing is, is like he goes over there, you automatically assume you're like, oh, he's going to do it. Like, holy shit. Like, and, but you're also like, of course he's going to do it because this is, you know, it's what he is. Um, but, you know, the fact that he chooses not to, like he takes a second to look in at the baby, like, and then backs away is really what makes it super complicated. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I think. (sighs) Like it suggests that, again, it's another point where you realize there's other things going on inside his head. You know, like in addition to the mask, like he's, there's, there's thoughts in there. Yeah. And because he's not just like, you know, even as much as like Loomis in the original and like sort of like the mythology of Michael is like, he, he's like a shark, right? He's like a predator. He's dead eyed. He's just sort of like a killing machine, Mm -hmm. but that's not quite true. True, and we see that evident throughout this new movie because there are there's some sort of logic that he's operating by, and there are choices that he's making because mm-hmm. he doesn't kill like the kids on the street. Yeah, you know, it's not like he's just walking down Main Street stabbing trick or treaters, you know. And so I'm wondering also if like there has to be something of the element of the hunt there for Michael. Yeah, the, the watching, the 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 stalking, you know, because that that's a huge. They part do, of- and they do consistently throughout the movie refer to him as a predator. Yeah, you know, like he he he's hunting. He's and and stalking was a huge part of what he does in the original. Like when he fixates on Laurie and the fr- yeah, and, and friends and stuff or whatever. There's not so much of a fixation in this one, but he does watch the victims at least a little for bit for a little bit. Well, his before, big fixation. And, and so the baby sort of being defenseless. Maybe there was something there. Maybe like, like because yeah. it couldn't. Um, it wasn't really something to hunt. It was too easy. Maybe that's why. I he don't just know. didn't care. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. and that's the thing is, any of this could be true. And to me, like the most fascinating part is that there's something to pick apart here. That he's not just like a, a walking mask with a knife. Like, and that's what I loved about a lot of this movie is that people, you know, there was things going on inside his head because they make the suggestion, Doctor. Sartain makes the suggestion at one point to Lori earlier in the film. He's like, you know, because she's that's when she calls him, oh, you're the new Loomis. Uh, when she meets him for the first time at, um, or maybe I guess it's around here, she shows up at the murder scene of one of the moms. Oh. Yeah, she shows up there because that's where she meet Haw- meets up with yes. Hawkins, who's like, what the fuck are you with, doing here? With, yeah, Hawkins, and she yeah. meets uh, Dr. Sartain, and he says to her, he's like, Michael's never said a word in 40 years, but I think he might talk to you. Or no, I guess it's the podcaster. 
Somebody makes the suggestion that Michael Someone, might talk to her. Yeah, the pod, he he might make it. The podcasters make it at her house. And he, I think, also said Sir, something. Yeah, Sartain but, also had the same theory because later okay. in the film, when we get to it, like when he does what he does, he makes the suggestion because he eventually is the one who like tries to bring them together because right. he thinks there's, you know, he thinks Michael will, you know, he's like, he hasn't talked to anyone, but he might talk to you. Um, and I think that kind of plays in though, this idea of like what you said about the hunt and it's like Lori got away. So he's fixated on her because it's like the ultimate hunt, right? Like this is the one mm-hmm. person who got away from who I chose. But yeah. Got away. And you know, they make the point, the, the podcasters refer to her like, you know, they're like, okay, like we've seen Michael and they were like, we've seen the predator. We've seen the, you know, now let's go see the prey. And that's what they mm-hmm. say before they go to see Lori. So like they talk about them in this binary where it's like Michael, you know, is the hunter and Laurie is the prey. And then there's the kind of twist on it because they're like, well, which one's the, you know, does one monster create another with the way that Laurie is now forced to live? And um, if you think about it that way, the ending of the film like has like kind of a nice poeticness to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially, I'm willing to buy that, that it's like, it's about the hunt and a defenseless baby. I think that makes the most sense. And like, mm-hmm. to him, that's like, there's just no, because they do make the point too, like, what pleasure does he get out of killing? Like, he wouldn't get right. anything there's this from question that. throughout. Sartain has it, the podcaster has it. What does he get out of it? Yeah. So yeah, um, I think that makes the most sense. What you say is that it's about the hunt and a defenseless baby in a crib does not fulfill because serial killers have like types right and they have syst- and right. they have mo's like they have ways that they have to operate so a baby sitting in a crib and they that, enjoy that yeah that's and part a, of yeah. it for them so as watching much as the act of killing itself yeah and he can't watch a baby do anything it can't get away from him so yeah i think that makes a lot like he would not kill a baby just because it's like well fuck like i could just right. curb stomp you and you'd you'd that'd be that I could literally, I could put a pillow over your face and that'd be that. And that'd um, be that. So, and it makes sense too, then where he killed the boy in the beginning. Cause the boy had, you know, he was capable. He had a gun, like he was right. like around 11 or 12 years old. So. Right. I'm willing to buy that. That's why he kills him, which is so interesting also that we're talking, you know, we like this big debate has sprung up about the baby and why didn't he, and, and, you know, and, you know, Mike, we've, um, because we've never seen Michael kill a child until earlier in this same movie. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in Halloween 4, 5, and then not really 6, but he's he's hunting Jamie, Jamie Lloyd, his niece, yeah. and she's a child, but he never, he doesn't succeed in killing her until the beginning of Halloween 6 when she's an adult. And, and none so, of that matters here. <laughs> and none of that matters here, whatever. So we've seen him hunt children before. Yeah. And, of course, there's an indication in the first one, obviously, that Tommy is in yeah. danger and Lindsay are in danger. But, but again, um, it's, it's capable children. It's children of a certain age right. that they're able to kind of put up a fight, put, give chase a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense why you'd sit down and say, okay, would Michael kill? Would he just stab into a crib? And it's like, no, because it's not. That's not how Michael works. That's just not how his brain works. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so he doesn't kill the kid. He he doesn't kill the kid. He marches off. He marches off. He does kill others, um, including um, Allison's best friend, Vicky, 
who is um, babysitting. I love this kid. Um, she's not at the dance because she's babysitting. She's babysitting a, a, a younger boy. I don't know if we get his name. They I'm don't sure. really... Julian. Oh, Julian, yes. Julian. Yes. Um, Vicky's He's babysitting great. Julian. There's a whole sequence with them. Dave comes over. Dave also ends up dead at Michael's hands. Um, Julian escapes. Um, and he is great. He's hysterical. Um, it's a fun Your sort of little... Your friend's coming over here to smoke weed. <laughs> no. No. Time for bed. <laughs> sequence with them. And I think this is when Lori... This is the one I think Lori hears on her CB. And then goes over and... and yes, meets yeah. Hawkins. It's not the mom. It's... it's She comes here. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, they call... Because that's when she... And then she, she finds Michael. He hasn't quite left the house yet. And Hawkins is there yeah, too. Yeah. She sees... They see each other in like the backyard before Right. Michael and takes Lori off. is able to shoot Michael on the shoulder, but he still manages to, to uh, get away. Because he's a tank. Yeah. He still gets away. So, uh, you know... Lori and the, and the Haddonfield police round up Karen and Ray, and it's determined that they're going to go back to Lori's house because it's well-protected, and they're going to go in her secret bunker under the kitchen. And, of course, the matter is just now being able to find Allison, but we can't find Allison because her phone has been thrown in the pudding. Because her boyfriend's <laughs> terrible. Because her shitty-ass boyfriend, uh, Cameron, does turn out to be a douche and makes out with some other chick at the Halloween dance and she confronts him about it and they have their little lover spat and then they break up. And, and he throws her, her phone and he never shows up again. Which is no, and this is why I feel like, this was one of my things where I feel like the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie were written by two distinctly different people. I think so. Um, there are three people who got credit for the script for the screenwriting, but at the very least, it's just, you can feel kind of the difference in the back half of the film that whoever yeah. wrote that, like was separate from who or wrote like, the first or, or it's like someone was writing the Lori story and someone yeah. wrote the teenager story. I don't know. And they just didn't connect on there because right, she, they're like, we need to get to the end. Yeah. Like she, like there's no resolution to this. Right. And there's like no. a suggestion that this has happened before and that her boyfriend has a drinking problem and like all this other stuff, but he just this is the last we see of him is they have this fight at the dance. He throws her phone in like the pudding at and so she can't like answer her phone or grandmother and everyone's calling to be like, You're about to get murdered and she has no phone and she just takes <laughs> off in the dance. Right. She takes off and um, she is accompanied by Oscar. Fucking Oscar. Um and they're walking home. Oscar's also drunk. And um, they're they're talking, and they have that like cliche scene where he's like, "You deserve better," and then he tries to kiss her, and she's like, "No!" She's like, "Get the fuck away from me!" Get the fuck away from me! Yeah, he, just... he takes her into a cemetery and tries to back her into a corner in a cemetery. Yeah, because they're taking like a shortcut or whatever, and they're you know because they've left the dance already, they're not aware of the situation that's happening around town. Yeah, yeah, because they evacuate the dance. They say that they yeah, the dance, the dance is shut and, down, and, and everyone she wasn't is there. taken to safety, and she's not there. And and so then the, you know they climb over the wall, and they're in a neighbor's backyard, and she goes away, and Oscar's like, "Oh, I'm such a bad person," in this someone's backyard, and um, that's there's when, like motion sensor lights that come on, like those kinds of motion sensor yeah. lights, right? And Michael is there, and there's a really cool, effective scene, and Oscar tries to escape, but ends up... Oh, you know, this yeah. is an interesting thing I did not realize. 
Cam- you- Cameron, yeah. his last name is Elam. He is meant to be oh. the son of Lonnie. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah. How did you find that out? That's on, awesome. On the Wikipedia. On the Reddits? Oh, Wikipedia. Yeah. That checks out. Yeah. Oh, I love it. See? Connections. Yeah. Good thing Cameron never comes back after the his yeah. last scene at the film. I was waiting for right. him to deus ex machina or something or show up drunk somewhere. Right, like, kind of like one of those things he shows up. He's, he like, tries to save her He's and like, then Michael babe. kills her. Yeah. yeah. Or that kills him. Happen. Um, no, it doesn't happen, but Oscar does get killed. Yes. I do like this scene, though, because there's that great, the joke we've been making for so long where he says to, like, he's talking to Michael because he's drunk. And he's like, oh, sorry, yeah. dude, I'm on your lawn, like, whatever. And he's like, are you ever, like, do you ever just, like, obsess over a girl that you, like, can't get and stuff? <laughs> and it's, like, the same joke we've all been making for so long um, with, like, the, it's, like, true men, like, what is it, the meme where it's, like, true guys stay devoted to one woman. To one woman the whole time, and it's a picture of Michael <laughs> and Lori <laughs> um so they like actually played into the the jokes about it yeah, a little bit that which was, was kind of fun um but yeah no he gets dead um he yeah has... so he gets dead and Allison comes back to uh, hearing his screams and 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 sees Michael and so she flees yeah oh my god the music cue there is great because the lights come back on because he moves yeah. and she sees him and he sees her and then there's just this like like music cue and she just is like oh nope and takes yep. off <laughs> and she takes off and um she she finds some neighbors and the neighbors call um the police and so hawkins comes and he has dr uh sartain with him and they are gonna take allison um to safety and so they're driving around the streets and they're like you know just keep your eyes peeled and lo and behold allison sees michael just walking around with his knife. <laughs> and so, Tony. yeah. And so Hawkins is like, we're, we're not messing around with this anymore. We're ending this. Hawkins also, his, he's got this backstory. He, I guess, was like a first responder when Michael was arrested after the events of the first film in like this world. And it's like, okay, cute, whatever. Okay. And so Hawkins hits Michael with the car. Michael goes down. And um, he, Hawkins and Sartain get out to see what's going on. And then we get a little bit of a second act twist here. What a twist. What a twist. I'm like debating if we talk. It's it's only been out for like a couple days. And I'm like, I don't. I mean, we can put spoilers for sure this is your spoiler warning yeah i mean we've spoiled a lot of it up until procedurally up until this point but like there is a a sort of we're going to we're going to talk about the twist here right now right now um i don't well i don't think we should talk about like the ending and just encourage people to go see it for themselves but we'll maybe we'll we'll see see. um so it turns out that new Loomis, Numis, Snumis, as some may call him, <laughs> yeah, is not at all like his predecessor. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
he is not repulsed by Michael. He's fascinated by him. Like to the point where he like basically wants to be Michael, maybe a little bit. And he has viewed this night as basically a field study, getting to see Michael in action. Oh, yes. They do refer to this as Michael out in the wild. Yes. uh, And so, right. I've never seen him in the wild. And so in order to protect Because he was in prison for the several murders he committed. For decades. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. And so in order to protect Michael, Sartain stabs and murders Sheriff Hawkins. And it's sad. Yeah. Well, and then he sure. puts on Michael's mask for a hot minute. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what turn this movie is making <laughs> for yeah. three seconds. I was, like, I was like, is this going to be a Friday the 13th part five situation? Yeah. Um, thank God it wasn't. No. Um, but he drags Michael's unconscious body into the back of the police car, where, of course, Allison is still trapped because you can't get out of the back of the police car. Yeah, so anyone who's been um, in the back of the police car out. will tell you that. Yeah. And so she's back there with an unconscious serial killer. And Sartain starts driving them to her grandmother's house because to he wants to force a conversation confrontation between the one that got away and the shape. Um which is so fascinating to think about because part of you wants it to happen though, right? Cause we're waiting the entire movie for that yeah, to happen. It's we're, like, we're, that's and, we're all here. And we're like, I also have that thought and maybe would maybe do exactly what you're doing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not in your position. Um, right? That's why we all showed up for this movie to find, to see them throw down again after 20 years. The fascinating thing I find about this sequence, like, yeah, like, because he then makes the point here again where he's like, no, like, I feel like something will happen if we get them in a room together. Like, I just, I want to see what happens. And you're like, yeah, for sure. Like, that's, yeah, I'm, that's why I bought my movie ticket, for sure. Um, But I think it's interesting that on the drive there, Michael wakes up and his first reaction is not to attack the woman next to him who is, you know, he at this point might be aware is that the grand, you know, the granddaughter of, you know, this person that he is somewhat fixated on. He might or might not be aware of that. But he, did, regardless, like, you know, there's a person next to him of the MO type that he goes for, completely ignores her and just attacks Dr. Sartain. And I wonder if we could apply that to our theory. Yeah. She was trapped and helpless. Yeah. Not, maybe, not interesting to him yeah. to kill. Yeah. Because you know. she was just like, oh, she's right. I could, you know, throw her head through the window and that'd be that. Like, no, like, yeah. he went for the guy who was driving the car. It's like, that he had to, like, do some work to get at. Like, tossing meat to a lion rather than the lion hunting. Yeah. Yeah. You which know, is... going, or going out and taking down a gazelle. Yeah. And it's interesting that he put him in the back seat with her because it's like, A, you could say he did that to make sure he can't get out because you can't get out of cop cars in the back. But it's also right. like, were you trying? Did you put her put them back there together to see what would happen there too did you want to see if maybe right like, is that part of this twisted experiment sort yeah of? but right. he he attacks sartain completely ignores allison like does not give a shit about her right attacks sartain gets it they they both end up out of the car at some point because sartain is probably like the most graphic kill it's a brutal kill um it's like it's it's like game of thrones basically um michael like curb stomps him and his brain just explodes and how perfect because it's like sartain is he's laying there on the ground he he like he knows michael's probably going to kill him he's like just say something yeah say one word and And michael Michael just sort of looks at him and (laughs) and steps on his face until his brain leaks out of his ears (laughs) that's right 
Um, right. And this, of course, gives Allison the chance to escape. Yeah. So Allison takes off, and Michael's like, "Oh, right now, and now it's interesting to him because she's taken off running, right? right? So he starts doing his slow walk after her. And so, right, because at this point, they're 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 like right down the road from Lori's house. And yeah, because their just, car gets spotted by those other cops. Right. The security detail that's outside Lori's house goes to investigate, and. We find out Michael ends up killing both of them and driving the cop car onto Lori's property and pulling up to the house. And poor old Ray thinks it's the cops. Ray's a fucking idiot. And goes outside to investigate. Hey, any news about Allison? And he goes in and And what does he see in the car? He sees one of the cops' heads carved into a jack-o'-lantern. Complete with flashlights in the yeah, head slight as as candle and, and he's like oh my god oh my god and then ray is strangulated dispatched with yeah uh, and it's shortly thereafter that Lori realizes ray is no longer inside the house after her and Kate have had like a vague heart to heart um and she sees michael standing outside and bolts the door and knows that the time has come um, Cocks are going. Let's do this. It's time for the confrontation. It's time for their meetup that has been forty years in the making. Allison, this entire time, runs through the woods. She's the slowest runner ever. She was <laughs> literally down the road. Yeah. <laughs> she takes a really long. Like they just like keep her away. I guess because they just didn't know what to do with her during this sequence. Because it was meant to be like the for the solid 10, 15 minutes. It's just Lori and Michael kind of squaring up. Yeah. Um, so Allison's just running through the woods. She's just running. No one's chasing her because no, Michael's at Mike the house. Michael doesn't care about her. Michael's at the house. He doesn't give a shit about her, but she's running through the woods for a long time. So can we t- what I think is fascinating is that there's kind of, I've, there's kind of this sense in the movie, right? That had it not been for Sartain... Michael might not have even like gone after Lori. Like he's not like he's not looking for her and yeah. had or anything like that. He's like yeah. He's just having a ball. Yeah, cuz they do have, have that meetup where he sees her and he's like, "Oh, hey." And she shoots yeah. him and he walks shouts, away. She shouts his name, she shoots him and he just keeps going. He's like, I I've not just I've, like whatever. And then he happens to end up at her house. So it's kind of almost like he's like, Okay, sure. All right. You know, like let's this finish is, it. This this is all right, this is what we're doing. Really, really interesting that like to me, it didn't actually seem like he was looking for her. No, I agree with that. And I think that what ends up happening with their entire sequence of like cat and mouse in the house. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Um, <laughs> in the the cabin um, is that basically like he comes to realize like because you know there's this bit where basically he's hiding like you know because it's like okay like he's doing yeah, these yeah. Michael things right like he's taking time to think about this and he hides for a long time um, while he's just watching her and it's like kind of in her and they make this point early in the film it's like he's met his match in her right it's not even that he cares that she got away or gives a shit about who she even is like maybe he doesn't even realize that it's the same woman it's just right, that he, he might not with this person like they're she's putting up such a fight and she's got all these things and it's like 
you know, for him, it's like probably if we apply our theory to it, it's like the most he could get out of this because it's somebody who's putting yeah. up such a fight and has like all these these things to to like fight him off and like all these traps right. she's, and she's and turning tricks. the tables yeah these, these and she and she becomes like they do paint her kind of like a michael-esque figure yes. in the movie There's... like with the way she showed up at the the the, at the, the high school and like she's yep. pulls the disappearing act at one yep. point during their fight so it's like you know basically the over the, over the balcony yeah and you look mm-hmm. and you look away and you look back and she's gone um, right. She, when the moment where we think Michael's in the closet, yeah, same kind of closet that Laurie hid in, and they're yeah. in the original film, you know, there's lots of parallels, lots of reverse, you know, symmetry sort of yeah. thing. Really, really great. And it's, lots and it's, of great stuff going on. It's like on. everyone threw all this stuff onto Michael and Laurie and created what they wanted to see, right? Like what you said, like he might not have got, even given a shit about Laurie. Right. If Sartain hadn't driven him there to try and like force a confrontation, um, and she, we don't, we don't know with my Michael doesn't speak. Yeah. We don't know if he has been thinking about her all this time or if he, he forgot about, about her the second he was arrested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he does. Does she haunt him as the one that got away, or does he not give a shit at all? Yeah, because he never, he never makes a point that he's looking for her in any way or going after her until. He is physically taken to her house and is like, okay, well, I guess I have to go kill these people now because that's what I do. Um, And she puts up such a fight where he, so to the point where he's like, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to have to kill you because this is great. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. And it's so fascinating the way like she becomes sort of this anti-Michael because it's like, you know, she does all the things he does and she is obsessive the way he is obsessive. And, um, at the same time, like all the people around them created this out of them. Like people forced right. Michael and forced these identities on Michael and forced these motivations on Michael and, and saw what they wanted to see in his behaviors to try and make sense of it. And they kind of cast Lori into that narrative and created out of her this survivalist, this, this you know, final girl. Um, yep, they want this like epic sort of story. Yeah, you know, like which is alluded to earlier. Like, no, th- he wasn't his brother. People made that up. It was you yeah, because that's that's good story detail. That's yeah. juicy, you know. Yeah, and then you're right. It, to in order to beat him, she has to become him in a yeah. way. Yeah, uh, because how she beats him, if we don't want to reveal it, or how it ends, is that she because there's still the question who really wins yeah right because it's like you know she did in a sense become michael because for a second she became the predator and that's how she won is that she trapped him Mm -hmm. um and and that's how this isn't a cage it's a trap yeah Mm -hmm. and it's this great sequence and you're not sure again they they leave it open because you never see a body you don't know for sure that michael was killed um but yeah, like it's literally like Lori had to become Michael and get in Michael's mindset almost um, with a bit more, you know, tact and logistics to it. Um, but that's how you beat him. And it's just so fascinating because there's all this meta stuff of everyone putting what they think is going on and, and what kind of story they want to see onto Lori and Michael. And like they had to become, you know, and it was like, OK, well, I guess we're doing this. Um, and they have that. You know, the, this whole final act only happens because the other characters want it to, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, which is what's really fascinating. 
it's completely fascinating and and just thinking about the notes that the film ends on and and who who emerges the victor the and... um it's interesting because the final song um the of the score that plays at the end during that last shot where they zoom in and they go in to the, the credits yeah it's yeah. called Halloween Triumphant mm. I listen to it on Spotify so mm. we yeah. could read into that a lot yeah so mm-hmm. there's a lot the, yeah that, that very final shot before we cut to credits yeah with Allison is, uh, and her hand is really and, interesting yeah, yeah. Uh, and I have to wonder if that's meant to be a tease about um taking things in a there are different ways that dealing with trauma can manifest right mm-hmm. and so much of this movie is seeing as how trauma affected Lori um but trauma can sometimes also turn a victim into a villain yeah um yeah because I was like, looking at it looking back on it I was like from a logistical standpoint within the story why was she why was that in her when did she come into possession of that I don't know um, we we do we do see her pick it up. I just can't remember when. But yeah, no, it's like you. But what, the, one the, monster the, the creates question, another. Why doesn't she drop it? Yeah. Why are you still holding on to it? And one monster creates yeah. another. Or is that what this final shot is supposed to indicate? Is she starting to let go? We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what it means. Yeah. No, there's so much to read into. So many different little moments in this. Um, yeah. And that's like the beauty of Halloween, right? Is that like it is so senseless and so violent. But there's also these moments where you, like, remember that, like, you know, there is an origin story to Michael and there is, you know, the possibility of, or at least the hope that, you know, you might be able to, like, and maybe that's, like, the big pitfall of everyone in this film is assuming that he operates in any way like we do, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe if we get him in the room with Lori, he'll say something or, you know, just say something, Michael, say something. And it's like, he's not going to because he never has and he never will. And it's like us trying to, us being like, you know, the, the characters trying to force some form of humanity that we recognize onto this thing, this shape. Onto the sh- this shape, right. Who refuses to be, I don't know, unblurred, right, yeah. around the edges. Yeah. Um, and I love the little shots we almost get of his face. The uh, um in the sequences Almost. in the in the jail, yeah. and it's enough that you're like wait, wait you're like and you're like wait what did what did it, what was that what does what? Michael look like nobody yeah. knows yeah so and yeah because even when he has the mask on they darken the eyes so you never even get to really see his eyes color of his eyes but uh yeah it was it was a ride kids the music was incredible and I need Great Spotify score. to do more. And give me more of the score because it's Great. they've only been re- releasing the songs kind of piecemeal, um, mm. which is sad for me because uh, the music was great. Um, yeah, of course it was uh, John Carpenter, but John um, Carpenter. Oh, it looks like they did release it. Good. Guess what I'm doing tonight? Right. There's 21 tracks, kids. The last one yes. is in fact called Halloween Triumph. Halloween Triumph. Wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. Great score, great movie. Um, really happy that it turned out as well as it did. You know, 
definite happy to welcome it into the Halloween franchise. Yeah, people are a also like from you know today as we're recording this, it made ninety one million. Oh my god! That is the biggest. They were they were like talking about all the records it broke, and it they were like that's w- that was like one of the biggest October weekends ever. It's what it's the biggest I think for a Halloween film. Yeah. It's the biggest opening for a female led film where like the female was over, over a certain 55. age. Yeah. Um it was just it And made I think second massive... biggest horror opening of all time. Yeah, no, it so, made a massive amount it. of money. Yeah. <laughs> um which and they is were exciting. anticipating some records here and there, but it's I didn't expect it to make that much. Them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I expected maybe like in the seventies, like because I didn't know how many people would be into it, but yeah, no, a crap ton of people went to go That's see exciting. this. That's exciting. That makes me happy. Yeah, no, it was it it crushed at the box office this weekend, um, which it, as it should. Um, but no, and you can tell like all of it was just very much a passion project for everyone. Like they wanted to come back and basically do a true to form sequel to what they did yeah. originally. Um, yeah, this was a movie made by fans for fans yeah um and and people have pointed that out i didn't just make that up you guys but um i just believe (laughs) i agree um yeah yeah, no it was just and not that i I, because we all know i fucking love halloween h20 oh hell yeah um but yeah no i have to say like this is probably the most cared for well done of the sequels like for sure like it's just it and it was the one that was most trying to like and maybe because it's you know we got you know 40 fucking years on it or whatever it was <laughs> you know that it's crazy 40 years of halloween yeah and we had all this time to just um you know i'm surprised that well maybe i shouldn't say this because that kind of not gives away the ending but suggests that something doesn't happen in the ending um, you can tell me after. I will. <laughs> yes, I will. Um, but yeah, no, it's very enjoyable. Encouraged to go see it. Encouraged to to pick it apart afterwards and and yeah, look at come at else. us. What are your theories? What are your readings of the film? What did you like? What did you not like? Um, what What did you think? Yeah. We we want to know. We want to talk about it. We're all about that stuff. Yeah. Um, Shall we tell them where they can yes. come talk to us about these so things? So you can talk to us about it on Twitter. It's splatterchatter666, minus all the vowels out of those words. If that's too difficult, just search splatterchatter666. We'll pop right up. Uh, you can email us email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com, as a few of you have done. It's been great. We've been giving out some recommendations and all that good stuff. Uh, some people have been writing in. We love it. Keep doing it. Um, you can find us on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram at splatterchatter666. Uh, you can leave comments on and likes on Craig's blog at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com as he moves through the last couple weeks of his 31 by 31 challenge. Um, or just in general. Just say hi to him, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you can, of course, leave us, as Mr. Gregors always points out, reviews on iTunes. Um, we love those. If it's too much to write some stuff, just click some stars. Uh, that's always yeah. nice and appreciated. Uh, you can also leave comments and put some likes on SoundCloud, where we our feed is hosted from. You can do that there as well. Um, and Mr. Gregors will tell you about if you want to get more involved with, with us, if you want to take the relationship to the next level, he will tell you how you can do that. Yeah, you can um, become really involved with the show by becoming a patron 
All the information on how to do that is over at patreon.com slash splatter chatter 666. Um, there are uh, three uh, commitment, three levels of commitment you could make to the show. $1 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month, which makes you a Michael donor. And ah, ah. Wouldn't you want to after the lovely conversation we've had? Happy holidays. Why not? Why not be a Michael donor? You know, I mean, and don't worry, we have all kinds of various perks that you get if you choose to support the show financially. Yeah. Yes. Now, when we next are chatting in your ears, guys, we will be back on track for regularly scheduled programming. That means we'll be doing the second of our three harvest horror film series um next up is uh 1981's children of the corn yes i actually just read the short story for the first time excellent so i'm very excited yes if you've if you've never read the short story or seen the movie go out go do that um check out our last regular episode about the wicker man um, that was a good conversation. That'll listen. Um, be looking out for the um, further reviews as we get closer to the big day. This is the last time we'll talk to you before the big day. Yes. Children of the Corn will be after All Hallows' Eve. As we so move we'll through the this, harvest season. As we move through the harvest season. So we'll take this time to wish you guys a happy and safe Halloween and Halloweekend. Um, don't forget to get at us and let us know what your plans are. We'll give you an update on ours when next we speak. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. I know that's broad, but yeah, <laughs> but think about it. Um, so, um, until we children of the corn it up, you guys, um, we want to remind you to keep up the creep, have a happy Halloween, and we will say au revoir, adios, and dusty.